1: Well, hello, I'm David freeman With Is that really in the Bible? You know, it's hard to hear God's voice when you have already decided what you want Him to say. Nearly impossible to hear God's voice when you have decided what you want God to say. Now, there are whole religions built on this premises. And that is, I have decided, we have decided what we want God to say. And I've often wondered why my outreach doesn't seem to work that well. I mean, I will post videos after videos, and I'll get 60 views or 100 views at the most. And I'm thinking, my goodness, there's hundreds of millions of people on this earth. How could I only get 60 views? How could I only get 100 views? The answer is very, very simplistic. People have already decided what they want God to say. In Acts 28 and verse 26 says this, "Is saying, Go into these people and say, Hearing you shall hear and not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of these people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now, you've got to understand the motive behind the why. Why, why. why can't these people see? Why can't they hear? The answer? They have already decided what they want God to say. Now, this phenomenon is very well documented, documented with theology. It really is. I mean, let me give you some examples here. Jesus said, Think not that I have come to destroy the law. Don't even let it enter your pea brain mind that I have come to destroy the law. Now, the very thing Jesus said not to think is the very thing that Christians think. They think, yeah, he came to destroy the law, he came to nail it through his cross, he came to fulfill it, he came to abolish it, he came to do away with it. The very thing Jesus said, think not don't think it. And it's the very thing that Christians think. Don't think I've come to destroy the law. He came to destroy the law. You know, that is abject. I don't, I don't know. It, is it stupidity? Well, no, it's not necessarily stupidity. Let me tell you what it is. They have already decided what they want God to say. You know, the word fulfilled, Jesus did say, I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Thayer's definition of that word, fulfill, means to obey as it should be. Okay, I haven't come to destroy, but I've come to obey it as it should be. You see, if Jesus didn't obey the law as it should have been, as it should be, we wouldn't have a Savior. The reason we have a Savior is because he obeyed it as it should have been obeyed. Okay, but a lot of people read that word fulfill and they think, yeah, Jesus fulfilled the law, so I don't have to keep it. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Oh, don't kid yourself. That is what's going on in the back of the, you know, in the back of the cobwebs and all the stuff back in there. And that, that Okay, he, he, he fulfilled it, so I don't have to keep it. Yeah. You know, theolo- uh, Jesus comes along and says, no man has ascended to heaven. John 3 and verse 13. No man has ascended to heaven. Theology says, you go to heaven when you die. How? How do you get those opposites? How do you look at the words of Jesus and say, okay, Jesus said no man is ascended to heaven. You go to heaven when you die. They have already decided what they want God to say. It has nothing to do with the authority of the Bible. Nothing. I mean, I, I don't even waste my time. I don't even waste my time pointing to John 3 and verse 13, and saying, You see, Jesus said right there, No man has ascended to heaven. You are wasting your time doing that because they have already decided what they want God to say. <clears throat> Jesus said, He's Lord of the Sabbath day. Theology says, He's Lord of the first day of the week. The Lord's day is Sunday, the first work day of the week. How, how, do you, how do you go from the seventh day of the week that God made holy at creation? to the first day of the week. How, how, how do you do that? How, do, how is it possible to do that? How is it that the authority of the word of God, that it has no authority? It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if you can point to the fourth commandment. It doesn't matter if you can point to creation and say, God rest, rested on the seventh day. Of it doesn't, none of that matters. The Bible has no zilch, zero authority because they have already decided what they want God to say. The Bible says God only has immortality. Theology says man has an immortal soul. How? How do you go from, well, this is a no-brainer. God only has immortality. We have immortality. How, How does the mind function like that? You know, the first lie Satan ever told was that Eve, you shall not surely die what is that? That you got an, that, that is you have an immortal soul. You shall not surely die. And it seems, seems to me, Christianity has taken up sides with the devil on that one. You know? The Bible says God only has immortality. Satan comes along and says to Eve, no, you you you're not going to die. You've got something immortal about you, and, and Christians have taken up sides with the devil. They're teaching a, a, a diabolical teaching that he promoted. But why? Why is the question? How can you go from God only has immortality, point that out in the Bible, there it is, God only has immortality, to, no, we, we all have immortality, an immortal soul. How? They have already decided what they want God to say. I've met people that wanted to believe that people burn for all eternity in hell. Now, I believe people will be destroyed in a lake of fire, But that's a huge, huge difference between burning for all eternity, suffering for all eternity, and being destroyed. The big difference between the two. One makes sense, the other doesn't make a bit of sense. Okay. But why? Why do people? some people want to believe that God will torture people for all of eternity? Why? Because they've already decided what they want God to say. You see, Here's the problem. Adam and Eve hid from God when they sinned. Yeah, they hid from God. And man has been hiding ever since. Hiding behind the God of our imagination. A God where we've already decided what we want Him to say. You know, some people come along, well, I, I, we need a word from the Lord. You know, and and <clears throat> you don't want any word from the Lord. You couldn't take it. I mean, the Bible has no authority anyway. Why do you think you want a word from the Lord? You're kidding yourself in saying that. Reminds me of the guy I heard about. <clears throat> he wanted a word from the Lord. So he opens up his Bible and points to a scripture and says, whatever it says, I'm going to do. And he read, pointed at the scripture and said, and Judith hung himself. And he thought, well, I, mean, I don't want to do that. So he, he did it all over again, opened the Bible, pointed to the scripture, and it said, that which you do, do quickly. <laughs> he couldn't get away from the word of the Lord. But, you know, it, it, people are kidding themselves when they think they want a word from the Lord. They won't do what the Bible says. Why do they think they want a word from the Lord when they won't, do what the Bible, when they won't carry the authority of the Word of God? And listen to it, We worship a God where we have already decided what we want Him to say. Now, while we're talking about the subject, a word from the Lord, let's get a word from the Lord. See how well we take it. 1 Peter 4 and verse 19. <clears throat> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creature. Now, wait a minute. I don't want to suffer according to... This talks about suffering according to the will of God. I don't want to do that. I want a prosperity doctrine where there's three-car garage and a BMW in each one. That's what I want to hear. But why do I want a prosperity doctrine? Why do I not want to hear about suffering according to the will of God? Because I've already decided what I want God to say. 1 Peter 4 and verse 2. It says that you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Well, Wait a minute. I I don't want to spend the rest chasing my own desires. That's what I want. But God, I want to chase my own desires. And that God thing is just a 45-minute worship service that I do once a week. That's what I want. I mean, I'm not going for this. Uh, to, to, to live the rest of your life. Don't live the rest of your life chasing your own desires and, and be anxious to do the will of God. I mean, are, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are people kidding themselves? Do they really want to do the will of God? No, they want to chase their own desires. And the God thing is, like I said, it's a 45-minute worship service where I'll, I'll give God 45 minutes of my time. maybe, maybe, Or maybe just on Christmas and Easter, you know. But That's all I'll give God, you know. Because I want to chase my own desires, and I don't give a flip about the will of God. Why can't people just be honest with themselves? Why can't Christians just be honest with themselves and say, I want to chase my own desires, and I don't give a rip about doing the will of God? Hebrews 10 and verse 36. For you have need of patience after you have done the will of God, That you might receive the promise. So i got to do the will of God, and I've got to have patience. I don't want to do that. I just want a God that says, just name it and claim it. There is no need for patience whatsoever. That's what I want. Yeah. Isaiah 30 and verse 9 says this, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seer, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceit. In other words, preach what I want to hear. Preach about the God of my imagination because I've already decided what I want God to say. Now the question is this, what are you searching for? What, what are you searching for in a church? You know, I've met a lot of searchers. They're just, they can never come to the conclusion on anything. They never enter into a relationship with God. They never get baptized. They never, they, they, hey, they like my program. But they ne- they're just searchers. And they search until the day they kick the bucket. Never find anything. But here's the point. You know, if you want a church where they teach God requires nothing from you, okay, if you want a church where they teach God requires nothing from you, they're on every street corner. They're on every street street corner. They're called churches. If you want a church that makes you feel good about yourself and the life that you are now living, that never criticizes or condemns anything about you, no matter what you're doing, they're on every street corner. If you want a church that teaches the prosperity doctrine, where it's just God is a blessing machine, he wants you to have that three-car garage, he wants you to have that mansion, he wants you to have all these material possessions, that's what you see. Here's the thing. Whatever you want from a church is the church you will find. And that makes sense, does it not? Whatever you want. I want a prosperity church. That's the church you will find. I want a church where they teach nothing. They never criticize anything about my life. That's the church you will find. You know, I want a church that doesn't pay any attention to the law of God, never teaches the law of God. That's the church you will find. If you want a church where everything is smoke and mirrors, candle wax, people are fascinated with candle wax. They really are. If you want a church where the priest speaks Latin, no one can, there can understand a word he says. That's the church you will find. If you want a church where everything is smoke and mirrors and rituals, it's all just so much rituals that we don't really understand that well. Reminds me of the story about the, 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 uh, the woman that was begging her husband to go to Catholic Mass. You know, And he didn't want to go. And, and finally she talked him into it and he goes there begrudgingly. He didn't want to go, but he, she, he goes, and, he, and she says, uh, honey, you just do everything I do. You just watch me and do everything. I try to do everything I do. So they got in the church, and they say, now, honey, it's time to kneel down. And he sort of gets out of the pew and kneels on the ground, awkwardly. You know. Now, honey, it's time to get back up. Now, honey, it's time to kneel down again. Now, honey, it's time to flat, cross yourself, do all that stuff, you know, and he, he tried to do it awkwardly and mess it all up and now honey, it's time to get back down and kneel on the ground, and now honey, it's time to stand back up, and she looked at him and she says, honey, is your fly unzipped? And he said, why? Should it be? You know, this reveals the rituals the rituals that we go through and we don't even know why this guy got so confused, he thought his fly was supposed to be unzipped yeah, but people are, again, people are amazed with smoke and mirrors, candle wax, uh, priests that no one can understand, and rituals. Yeah, they love it. They absolute, why do they love it? Well, because they can't really know anything about God, I mean, as far as what God requires. It's not about what God requires. They don't want to know that. And so it's all smoke and mirrors and candle wax, you see. Now, if you want a church where it's exciting, they're jumping church pews, they're speaking in tongues, they're speaking in a gibberish that no one can understand, that's the church that you will get. Whatever you want in a church is the church you will find, okay? Let me tell you the one reason you never go to church. Actually, three reasons. Truth, correction, and instruction. That's three reasons you probably never, ever go to church, Proverbs 23 and verse 23 says this, it says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. You see, there is a price you have to pay for the truth. What is that price? What is that? Why would you think that there is no price? Why would you think that there's nothing? I mean, there's no price. There's nothing I got to do. Why would you think that there is no price? Now, let me tell you what the price is. It is your unconditional surrender. And you see, you are the only one that can do that. No one can do that for you. No one can surrender for you to God. That's impossible. That's impossible. You are the only one that can come to that point of surrender, where you hold up your white flag and you say, I surrender all, or at least I surrender all that I'm about right now. Now, now, as you enter into a relationship with God, you'll surrender more and more and more. But as far as you know it right now, when you begin that relationship with God, you surrender what you have right now. I surrender. And you are the only one that can do that. And God will not make you do that either. It's your choice. But it's the pivotal point where you begin a relationship with God. Surrender to God. Unconditional surrender. And I've met people, I've met people on this program. Who, people have written me and have said, look, I think I need to be baptized. But they couldn't pay the price for truth. They couldn't pay it. They could not come to that point of surrendering to God. Everything in life is more important. Everything about my life is more important. And they could not bring themselves to that point of unconditional surrender. And they fell by the wayside. They fell by the wayside. It's so sad to see that. Hebrews 5 and verse 9. And being made perfect, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You know, that's a verse you're never going to see read in church. uh, That Jesus uh, became the author of eternal, not just salvation, but eternal salvation unto all them, that's human beings, that obey him. Well, what's there to obey? You see, you've been in church for 40 years and you've been told there's nothing to obey. I mean, you don't obey the law. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. What's there to obey? So you're not going to hear this scripture preached from the pulpit. He, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. What does God want me to obey? Well, let's start with the Ten Commandments. Okay? Let's start with the Ten Commandments. And fourth one included. Let's not exclude commandments. Let's not say, oh, there's only nine commandments. No. Let's start with the Ten Commandments. As far as what does God want me to obey? Matthew 19 and verse 17. And he said to them, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And the rich young ruler said, said unto him, Well, which? And Jesus said, You shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, is there anyone who th- look, reads this verse and says, Huh, I wonder if he's talking about the Ten Commandments. Nah, ain't no way. It can't be talking about the Ten Commandments. Ain't no way. I mean, even though he lists five or six, I mean, you know, it can't be taught. You know, the reason I mention this is because, you know, often I've pointed this verse out and people will say, well, well, God only said, Jesus only tells us to do two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and here Jesus is not, he's listing more than, he's listing here more than just that. And he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't kill, you know, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother. So, so you've got to understand that when Jesus talked about these two great laws, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, on these two hang all the commandments, he is giving a summation of the Ten Commandments. You see, the first four, love God, the first four commandments tells you how to love God. How do we love God? And you have to be taught that. The last six commandments tells us how to love our fellow man. Now, that, the last six commandments are written within the consciousness of mankind. Uh, somehow, way, we know it's wrong to steal, even though no one's told us it's wrong to steal. We know it's wrong to lie, even though maybe no one's ever told us it's wrong to lie. To lie. So, so the last six are written within the consciousness of mankind. But the first four commandments how to love God, you've got to be taught that. You've got to be taught that. Don't have any other gods, you know, God only. Don't be the God of your own life. Now, that's, 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 the first commandment is the most broken commandment out there. Because we set up our own God, and it's the God of our imagination, where we have decided already what we want God to say, you see. Oh, yeah. We do this all the time. I mean, it's the God of our imagination. So the number one commandment that is broken more than any other commandment, which leads to the breaking of all the other commandments, is the first commandment. Don't have any other gods before me. And the God that we set up is the God of our imagination, you see. So, I mean, here's, here's this rich young ruler coming to Jesus. And what Good master, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus starts clicking off the Ten Commandments. And he says, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. So I started writing churches. And I sort of rephrased the question. You know, I said, what do I got to do to get saved or be saved or whatever? I didn't phrase it just like this rich young, rich, rich young ruler did. You know, good master, what good thing must have? I didn't say that. But I, I started writing mega churches. You know, what, what do I have to do to be saved? And listen, none of them, not a one, said, well, none of them turned to the scripture. If you will enter into life, none of them quoted Jesus. (laughs) Think about that. None of them quoted Jesus. None quoted Jesus. If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And none can quote Jesus on that subject. Why? Because they don't keep the commandments. A lot of churches don't keep, honor the commandments. They just don't. They've got a theology where it's passive. It's, it's oh, well, that's, you know, that's, that's works. You ever heard that? Oh, keeping the commandments, that's works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a passive view toward the law of God. It's been fulfilled. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been done away with. We don't really keep it. Or, or they'll spiritualize the law the law away, you know. Well, we keep it... Uh, we don't keep it in the ladder. We, we sort of, you know, if you've if you're, you got the spirit, you keep it in the spirit, whatever that means. I, I don't know what that means. Keep it in the spirit, okay. Yeah, well, maybe I do understand what that means, but uh, they don't understand what it means. I can guarantee you that. But anyway, they spiritualize the law away because they really, you know, they, they can't nail it down as to, okay, yes, Jesus, what you said is true. If you enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, question, what sin do you struggle with? I just want to touch on this. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 3. We we're talking about the will of God and doing the will of God and what is the will of God. Notice this, for this is the will of God. Let's just stop right there. This is the will of God. What is the will of God? Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. What is fornication? That's sexual sins. I thought I'd, it's a good time to bring this up in our perverted, twisted society in which we live in. So if you want to know what the will of God the, the will of God is extensive throughout the Bible. It's extensive. And here it says this is the will of God that you should abstain from fornication, that is sexual sins. Now let me close by asking you this question. Why is there this teaching out there that says grace plus nothing, there's nothing you must do, Jesus did it all for you, he fulfilled the law so that you don't have to keep it. Why? Why is there this teaching out there that you've heard probably the biggest part of your, if you've ever darkened the door of a church, you've heard these statements. Why? It's, it, here's the answer. It's the God of our imagination. It's the God of their imagination. They have already decided what they want God to say. So, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible, telling you it's hard, so hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want Him to say.
0: Order your free copy of You've Been Lied to About the Bible. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at Is That Really in the Bible? dot org